0: a penis welcome to the analog six podcast where this week we're growing eating and reproducing through generations in spore let's go let's go Welcome to episode 23 of the Analog Sticks Podcast. My name is Rusty, his name is Cody, and in this week's procedurally generated episode, we're talking Spore. What is it? What are you doing it? Why is it? These questions and more will be answered in this week's episode by this week's pilot, Cody. That's right, this week I'm the one who had a time crunch and couldn't play the game for more than a handful of hours. But before we crash land onto a mysterious new planet, Happy New Year, everybody. And Cody, how are you doing?
1: Doing really good. Right after we record this, I'm going to go pick up my partner. Uh, She's been stuck in Colorado uh, because she flew with Southwest, and they just, their whole company just shit the bed, and they had to cancel, like, all of their flights, literally. Well, not quite literally. Yeah. More than 90%. Yeah,
0: for anybody who wasn't following, it's a disaster.
1: (laughs) Really bad. But she finally... Um is on a plane back and so I'll be picking her up soon. It'll be really nice. Woohoo! How about you? I'm glad to hear that. You've been pretty happy.
0: I'm doing I'm doing all right. I've been pretty happy, stressed. I'm trying to get videos done because I've got a yep. good one in the pot teaser. Hopefully it'll come out next week, maybe. I don't know. We'll see if I can get it done. Uh I just ate like three quarters of a pizza and three quarters of a cheesy bread stuff. It, so was, I it feel was
1: disgusting. Like... I watched him do that.
0: <laughs> he did. It was bad. <laughs> I'm not proud. <laughs> But here we are. (laughs) With that, Cody, I think I'm going to give you the reins and let you take this one over. I'm a Spore noob. I picked up the game a couple of hours ago, (laughs) played it for a couple of hours, and that's all the experiences I have. I haven't read anything. I I, I knew Cody liked the game. That's all I knew up until a few hours ago. Now I know about an hour and a half worth of playthrough. So, Cody, what do I need to know about Spore? What are we talking here?
1: Well, you're in luck today because not only did I like the game uh but you know you know I'm autistic this was when I was a kid this was like my autistic special interest so not only did I like the game but my life like ran on this game for a couple years as a kid so I've got a lot to say
0: <laughs> that's good to hear cuz I have nothing to say
1: <laughs> beautiful and with that being said uh I think the the best way to to introduce this game is with a little bit of background uh this is a game that was uh for some of you guys you might know No Man's Sky and the the whole thing that happened with that game where it was super hyped everyone was so excited for it and when it came out nah like you know tons of backlash um eventually they did update the game and it's it's a pretty decent game now but Spore had that same hype train issue where it was massively overhyped um I mean, I'm talking, when I first found out about it, it was because I liked watching dinosaurs on Discovery Channel. And they had this special once, before the game came out, where they tied in, they, they made this little documentary about possible biological ecosystems on alien planets. And they made the show in the same style as those dinosaur shows. So, little me was absolutely blown away. I already liked making up my own animals, or like, I would draw worlds and make up my own stuff about worlds I made, and so when I first heard about Spore and how on the Discovery Channel they connected it with just that interest in biology and uh, different creatures, I was so ready for it. I mean, dude, good, dude, I, that's awesome. <laughs> little eight or nine-year-old me was more excited than he could ever handle. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Uh, just hearing you talk about this, this was 2008 it ended up releasing, mm-hmm. right? So you probably watched that special in 7 or 8, somewhere around in there. 2008,
1: you were... it came out right before my birthday.
0: You were but a Wii lad, nonetheless. I was still playing my Wii. I didn't know what computer games were, really. I played them, but, like, I didn't play them. And looking back, I feel like I missed out. I Not, like, FOMO, because I already missed out. Like, what am I going to do now? Yeah. But... Just in the couple of hours of time I spent with this game, it's something that I can realize, if I had more time I would sink probably a hundred hours into easily nowadays, but I don't have the time yeah. and I wish I did. And I can tell you right now if I had this game as a kid, I would be sinking hundreds of hours into it right now.
1: But Oh, it is... God, it was the perfect game for a kid. Like if, It's like, if you liked dinosaurs you could just make your own dinosaurs. You know, that sort of thing. Um, it was... Its capacity for creativity was massive. I think even now, games struggle to to give players the full set of tools to really express their creativity without limit. Because any game you make, any creative system you have in it, is going to be stuck within however the developers programmed it. You were already commenting when we were just kind of browsing through some creatures people have made. Uh, you were saying that it looks like a pretty robust system, right?
0: Yeah, I'd say it's more than what I expected. I expected it to be something you can customize, but even just in my time with it, I ended up making some monstrosities, and I was like, oh my god, what am I looking at right now? And then I I found something that worked, and then it had too many legs, and I couldn't figure out how to get rid of legs, and then I figured out how to get rid of legs. It, It felt really good to use... But at the same time it's like a little overwhelming at first honestly and then you showed me a couple pictures of some of the more impressive things people have done in the creation engine and I was blown away this is for a 15 year old system nowadays it puts a lot of games with character creators that are supposed to be like oh you can make whatever kind of character you want it puts them to shame this is as far as i can tell this is one of the most robust character creators i have ever seen like yeah it is so I can't good. think of anything that compares
1: And then they use that same system, not just for making creatures, but later on in the game, you make vehicles, buildings, spaceships, uh, all kinds of stuff, and it uses that same type of system. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, um, let me give the overall premise to our listeners who might not have any idea what Spore is. Uh, you just (laughs) So you just heard us talking about uh, making creatures. That is like the main mechanic of the game is that you make your own little animal, and you evolve it through time. Um, the premise is that you're you're sort of the god of your own little universe that the game gives you, and you interact with that universe through your creations. So every save file uh, in the game is, is is its own planet in that galaxy. And so when you're playing your save file, you're actually affecting you know, what's going on with that planet within the context of the whole galaxy. Because as you go through the different stages of evolution, from a cell to a creature to, you know, full civilization, and then becoming a space-faring race, once you're in space, you can actually go as your space creature and go visit the planets of your other, other save states <laughs> and, like, meet the other creatures you've made.
0: That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. There's a lot I didn't know. Of course, I only played this game for a couple of hours. I only got to do the cell stage and the animal stage and even with the animal stage I didn't get very far, but I it's it has a certain level of charm to it that I wasn't expecting either. It's it's Oh, it is. It's enjoyable. It
1: oozes with charm and there's so many uh little spore community specific things that we won't even be able to bring up, but it had a really strong community back in the day and This was right before, this was like the peak of Maxis. This was right before EA really, you know, hit him over the head and and buried him (laughs) in the ground. With
0: corporate greed, how refreshing.
1: Ah, EA, it's like the constant bad guy in this podcast series.
0: They really are, I mean, we made a whole episode about how bad they are, basically.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) That's fun. And I, I kind of mentioned it. This game was developed by Maxis Studios, which is the same developer that made Sim City and The Sims. Uh, all of those games, these are all concepts by the game developer Will Wright. Have you ever heard that name?
0: I have. I've played The Sims once or twice. Not very intently. I'm not like a Sims player, but I have and I've heard the name as well.
1: Yeah, uh, Will Wright. I, I don't think he's not really in the public consciousness as much anymore. Um, I think he's more taken up... That space is more taken up by the guy who made Skyrim. Uh, who's the Bethesda guy?
0: I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. I think it's like Todd something.
1: Todd, yeah, Todd Howard.
0: Yes, that's his name. I was about to look it up. Will I was Wright... about to type in Bethesda guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Will Wright was like the Todd Howard of his day, where he was he was almost deified as like a genius game creator, which, I mean... He kind of earned that a little bit by making SimCity and the Sims. He was big on simulation games and he really brought the the gaming for- format forward through the nineties. Um, I think of all the developers he was he was among the the top developers really pushing the limits of what a game could be and then spore spore is a game that was incredibly ambitious. it was supposed to be his magnum opus but for as good as I think the game is, it definitely did not quite live up to the expectations it had on it. Uh, it was supposed to be like, I don't know, it was supposed to be the best game ever. Let you do whatever you want. And then people found out, you know, that it's it's just a game. It's still a pretty good one. But <laughs> so if you look up the game, you'll get a lot of negative views and opinions on it. Or people who are very disappointed by it. And I don't think the game's ever really gotten over. That initial hype train
0: this is one thing i may actually be able to have some input on because mm-hmm. i didn't know any of this negative perception that people had of the game necessarily at launch or some of the hype that went into building it up i just heard it was a game that i knew you'd enjoyed and when i got into it i thought it was a fine game i mean i didn't have any gripes with it it felt a little I mean, obviously I know that this is something that gets better as the game goes on, but it's one of those things like in those mobile games where you slowly get a little bit better and better as you go to the point where at the end it's super fun to play, but at the beginning it's like you flick a thing and it goes 10 feet. Whereas in this game, I felt like I was moving a little too slow and sometimes the turning wasn't as sharp as I wanted it to be. But I'm sure that's, like there are speed stats, so I'm sure that that gets better. Yeah. But it, it felt like a good game, a good experience. It didn't feel... Honestly, for a 15-year-old game, it didn't feel that dated. That It didn't feel janky at all, in my experience. I don't know if there are bugs that are like infamously bad. It, but um, I
1: enjoyed it. You, you're lucky that you didn't reach the tribal and civilization stage. Because those are the two that are... Eh, meh. No one really replays those as much. <laughs> I, uh, I just had
0: fun running around and killing stuff and trying to dance in front of it. A lot of
1: fun. <laughs> So the game itself was pretty ambitious for the time, like I said. It was using not only simulation, you know, that was Will Wright's whole thing, but the game also relied on procedural generation, which for 2008, uh, procedural generation has been around for a long time with like, you know, early 90s or even 80s dungeon crawlers, that type of thing. But in Spore, this was on a whole new level and they used procedural generation to create the galaxy that you're that you get in the game uh but unlike a lot of games today like Minecraft where you make your world and it generates as you play this galaxy was generated before it was um before it was packaged into the game you know so everyone has the same galaxy when you start out
0: okay so i i I'm a little unclear on this. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that when you get your copy shipped, it's shipped a certain way, or when you boot up the game for the first time, it's a certain way, or are you saying everybody has the same galaxy at the start?
1: Everyone has the same galaxy, but it's not totally shared. Like, it's not literally the same galaxy. You all just start with the same planets and everything.
0: Okay, and I thought I remembered hearing something in my limited, limited research, that every single planet is procedurally generated mm-hmm. and you can, like, pick which one you want to do and none of them... Like, nobody gets the same planets. Is that right? I don't know. I, uh, now, people, <laughs> I don't know if you know.
1: People get will get the same planets. Like, uh, there's an Earth planet in the galaxy and if you look it up, it has a specific place. So anyone, you can go visit your galaxy's Earth planet and the same is true for a few oh. other rare types um but anyways i don't want to get too ahead of ourselves that's the space stage oh
0: oh oh my bad i'm sorry <laughs> um
1: not only was this game ambitious in its uh you know procedural technology and its simulation but it also was largely based around online content creation which is something that today is super familiar to us we're doing it right now we're making content online I think any any creative kind of game, like, I I mean, I'll go back to Minecraft, that has a huge community of people making maps or different data packs or or skins or whatever and then posting it online. Um, Spore was one of the early adopters of this type of gameplay, where a lot of the gameplay actually comes from the user base rather than the developers, and they did it pretty well.
0: I mean, just in what we were looking at beforehand, I didn't know anything about this. I saw something called the Sporum, which is like R slash Spore, yeah. I guess. <laughs> and then I also saw you were looking at Sporpedia, and we were looking at a bunch of creations that people have made, some of the best of all time or whatever, and there's a lot of really, really cool stuff. I mean, that's kind of any game where people upload their own creations to a server, and then you can use them. It's There are people who take the creation tool to its limits, and it's very impressive. Yeah,
1: and this is part of the beauty of Spore. Uh, You can choose to have your galaxy, so the planets are procedurally generated. Uh, What inhabits the planets, though, uh, is dependent on, you know, each player. You can turn on an option to have your galaxy populated by user-submitted creatures from anywhere on the Sporepedia. And so it's so funny because imagine the creature stage, you know, when you first Exit the ocean to be on land. You can be in a situation where one of your, one of the animals nearby you is like this beautiful, majestic, highly detailed dragon, and then to the other side, genitalia monster, little dick creatures with balls for legs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's disgusting! I love it. (laughs) the the, the range of creativity is massive Mm -hmm. you've got people who are making like just triangles and saying see what happens and then you have the most elaborate dragon creature you could ever imagine that looks like it's already evolved four bajillion times Mm -hmm. because it has but it's it's so cool
1: (laughs) Uh, and so (laughs) i've got a great story about when i first got the game
0: i'd love to hear it
1: spore is really what got me into pc gaming Uh, Before this, it was just GameCube, a little bit of Xbox, because that's what my dad had. Um, And this was my first time really playing on the PC a lot. And when we got this game, this is 2008, our PC was so outdated that it could not play Spore.
0: (laughs) That's like my parents' computer. My dad used to play World of Warcraft, and I dabbled with it a little bit. Probably about the same time you were playing Spore, I was playing World of Warcraft, and... Getting into in depth conversations with people who were twenty years older than me, probably,
1: <laughs> but uh, and they had it was, no idea that you were like eight or nine.
0: Yeah, I was like nine, and my computer was running at a swift three FPS or whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, but yeah, no, we had like the big old the glass monitor, dong dong. You know what I'm talking about? If oh, you know,
1: you must have been using like all gigabyte of your RAM.
0: Oh my god, the whole half of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, when we updated my com- so we had to update the computer, because it was it needed to be upgraded anyways and this kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back, I was so devastated that I couldn't play the game I got for my birthday um, and so it oh, took us a no. while to, it took us like a week to get a new computer and in that time, I would just sit and read the manual over and over front to back, <laughs> cover to cover so by the time I started playing I already knew how to play. I was like, I got this. I'm ready. Just like the <laughs> simulations.
0: <laughs> so instead of reading the manual on the car ride, you had to read the manual for a week. So you were you basically had a week-long car ride home from GameStop. I feel for you, man. <laughs> yeah.
1: This really set me up to love this game though. The anticipation was just too much to handle.
0: One of those things. I gotta ask you right now: Do you think that that led you to having a greater appreciation for the game, or do you think it just didn't have any effect?
1: Greater appreciation, for sure. It it having went from a just a, a game I really wanted to play to like the forbidden fruit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the world doesn't want me to play this, but yeah, damn it, I'm going to. Yeah. and I'm gonna enjoy it.
1: <laughs> I know it could have been the most dog shit game in the world, but after that experience, you know, eight year old me is. I just have to like it.
0: <laughs> you already loved it before you even had the chance to love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so awesome. I, did not,
1: I did not have a critical eye at all. I apologize to the to our listeners. I'm not going to have any criticisms whatsoever. There's plenty of stuff to criticize. I just don't have it in me. I love the game too much.
0: One criticism I will put out: it's a PC game from 2008. It kind of feels like a <laughs> PC game from 2008.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some of it. <laughs> hasn't dated too well uh, i
0: it still plays fine and it's enjoyable and i'm sure if i had a better gpu it would probably look better but
1: dude the the gui of it though like the look of you know, the buttons and the graphics oh, it so reminded me
0: of dead. world of warcraft a little bit honestly it was back
1: when buttons um like developers to be clicked <laughs> yeah and and they tried to make things look like real life you know um mm-hmm. and all the buttons were super glossy and embossed oh, i love it uh so anyways let's move on to the gameplay let's describe yes, you know let's, how, let's talk about what is it like to play this game
0: oh, oh oh let me talk about the cell stage
1: yeah i'll start you <laughs> off so this game is split into five stages of evolution and the first one is the cell stage and so Russ, take it away. Tell the audience, so, you know, what it's like.
0: I played this part, and basically there's a slow cutscene that lags because your computer's running too much stuff, and <laughs> a meteor crashes into a puddle on a planet, mm-hmm. and a little chunk of the meteor breaks off, and inside it is a little single-celled organism, and that's you. You are that single-celled organism. You basically have to go around and you pick whether or not you're gonna be eating vegetables or meats. Personally, I'm a big meat fan, so I picked eating meat. I went around and I was eating all the meat and trying to eat other creatures as well, because, you know, why not? And then I found some parts to evolve my single cell, and then I had little dangly boys and a mouth, (laughs) and... I could move faster and turn quicker and all that stuff. And after I died a bunch of times, I eventually progressed enough and ate enough meat to make it into the animal stage. And for some reason, after 20 minutes of gameplay, your creature evolves to have legs. And it's still the same single-celled organism, but now it's got legs hanging down, and it's very charming. It's
1: so fun. It's (laughs) literally the, when you first give it legs, like, the cell does not change at all. You're just a cell with, with legs running around
0: it just sprouts some thick chonky legs (laughs) and at this point you get you get the run around you get the character creator again and you can quickly you can keep your single celled appearance i think you can keep it the whole game you probably have to add a couple things here and there it'd be a little
1: tough but but it's it's a fun challenge to do that
0: but i quickly took all that stuff off realized i couldn't get it back because you're out of that stage now and then i ended up making my guy long because you can extend the body and him fat in certain areas and slim in others it's actually a pretty neat concept this is one of those things that makes the character creation robust but basically now you're doing the same gameplay loop of going around and either killing things eating things or just discovering things now to get more parts to evolve your creature further and progress you get more brain power you get more evolved i don't know the exact whole thing But basically, there's a couple things you can do because you're on this island with a bunch of other creatures running around. And from what my experience is you instantly leave your family, you go run over to the nearest camp, and you (laughs) accidentally scare the biggest one, and you eat it. And then you go to the other one, and you're like, I want to be friends with this one. And you start singing to it, and then you're friends. And then you do that a couple more times. And then the game's like, hey, you should go back to the base. You should go back to the base. You should go back to the base. So I went back to the base and apparently your character is the female because I torked on some other character <laughs> that was like mine and then laid an egg because, <laughs> you know, nature. <laughs> and then we evolved again, and now I realize that nobody wanted to be friends with me because all I knew how to do was sing because I didn't add anything social because they had a leaf next to me, and I like meat. So that's where my gameplay experience ended. <laughs> What did I miss? Cuz I feel like I missed a lot there.
1: <laughs> There's a lot. Um you never migrated, which is a part of the creature stage. Oh, I Honestly, did do that did. once. Okay.
0: I didn't play anymore after that cuz I'm like we got to record this yeah.
1: soon. <laughs> you end up you migrate twice in the game, and every time you do, you go further inland in it. The game gets a little tougher each time. You'll you'll encounter bigger enemies. Um
0: big scary spooters.
1: Scary spooters. Big dicks. Um, I
0: didn't see any of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky. Well, actually, yeah. the way you played it, it probably would have been, like, all the default creatures populating the world.
0: All my stuff was made by Maxis. Because yeah. it has, like, the creature name, and then who made it, and it was just all Maxis creatures. Yeah.
1: So, so it, I didn't
0: want to have to log in.
1: <laughs> so, in these five stages of evolution, they each have three different behaviors that you can uh, try to follow. And those behaviors stick with you and carry forward into the next stage. So by the time you're at the space stage, you'll have all these different gameplay perks and differences based on how you acted in the previous four stages. So in the cell stage, it sounds like you became a carnivore, right? You kept eating meat?
0: Yes, it asks you that from the beginning, and you can only eat one or the other.
1: Yeah, and so you chose carnivore. Animal stage, it sounds like you were kind of going in between. The three behaviors are social adaptable or predator. And depending on, you know, if you kill creatures or if you make friends with them, you get one of those. Uh, this it And the same thing applies to the next two stages, tribal and civilization stages.
0: This is really cool.
1: These two stages, I'm not going to have much to say about. Uh, they were pretty panned. They're a big reason why a lot of people don't like the game. And I have to agree with them. The tribal stage is like a real-time strategy game where you have to manage your tribe. And you know, deal with other tribes at the same time. It has its totally own oh, kind like of that. fun, but it's like, eh. And then the Civ yeah. stage is it, it's like a Civ game, except not as fun.
0: <laughs> so they basically took Sim City and dumbed it down a bunch.
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you can um, <laughs> you're like you can go in and change individual buildings. Uh, different buildings have different functions in your city, and so you need your city to either be. Uh you can make it like an industrious city, an entertainment city that people want to travel to, or like a really religious one. I mean, there's just the the depth of gameplay um is pretty incredible in this game, honestly. I could if you let me, I could just keep going off about the most mundane details of how the game runs. But we'll really... try to keep
0: it to the most mm-hmm. overview parts. <laughs> mm-hmm. One thing I did notice, and I do have to chime in right here, so it sounds like it's basically spore the sims and then sim city and then space but the cool thing about it is it's not just those games it's kind of like a choose your own adventure book but in a game very much oh you turn to this page now you're doing this until you make this next decision which i mean it's how any game with multiple endings works but if this it's just you have a shit load of options to choose from and it's, yeah it's so cool it's so cool well, There's so many endless possibilities, and I love it. Well, they're not endless, but, you know, a lot of possibilities.
1: <laughs> yeah, not endless, but for a game, an incredible range of of opportunities to change your own gameplay. And I think that's part of... I honestly think that's a lot of Will Wright himself, and that's why we don't have, like, a Spore 2 or 3, because this really was his brainchild, and it'd be hard to remake or build upon this game you know without him adding into it because it's all I mean, a lot of it is all him
0: I think it's beautiful i i I see that this game like I was saying earlier, it has so much potential and there's a lot that I would love to do with it unfortunately, I don't have time, and the two hours I did play, I didn't want to stop playing if I didn't have a time constraint. I would probably be up till three am playing this game, but time constraints so. Yep. I had my experience with it. And I, I can look back at it and say, yeah, I think Spore is good. And people will be like, it's not good! Because people are mean.
1: <laughs> it's so... I don't know. Uh, so, let's talk about the last stage now.
0: Oh, yeah, I skipped over. I I didn't. I don't know anything about no, this. No, you're good.
1: So, first two stages, freaking fun as heck. It, it's a lot of fun to make your cell, make your creature. The other two stages, uh, whatever. I tend to just get through them just to get to the space stage. But the space stage... That's super fun. I mean, for me, that's where I sunk, I think the most of my time. Uh, it's like an open world game completely. Your ship, once you're fully upgraded, can just go anywhere in the galaxy and you can go visit you know hundreds of different empires of different creatures and and do all kinds of crazy quests. Um, how you played earlier determines your empire's archetype. you know how how does your empire like to work, and what does it do best? So, like, let's say you're always vegan and you're always super nice to other creatures and you stay on that type of track. Then you end up with like a, a shaman hippie civilization where I think <laughs> your specialty is that you can like teleport home whenever you want, something like that.
0: Power of drugs, yeah. man. <laughs> They're magic. <laughs>
1: uh, if you're always aggressive and carnivorous as a creature, you end up with a warrior civilization. You're like space Sparta and you get all the best weapons. <laughs>
0: Can you, like, kill other planets?
1: Yes. Yes, you can, actually. Yes. The, That's There's cool. a planet buster where <laughs> you don't get a lot of them. I think it's it costs a lot to get more. But if you really wanted to, you could just blow up an entire planet. Although, um, nobody likes that. And whenever you do that, everyone around you immediately declares war. And everyone in the galaxy, uh, like, starts off hating you if you start doing that a bunch.
0: So, okay, so... Essentially, in the space stage, you're no longer playing as your character, you're playing as your planet.
1: Kinda, or, or your
0: whole conglomerate you're, you're of You're like the
1: captain of the main ship. You're like Picard in Star Trek, and you represent your entire civilization.
0: That's pretty cool. I I love that concept. From what it sounds like to me sounds like the first stage is basically a tutorial, the cell stage. The second one is teaching you how to play the game, and that's fun because the game is fun to play. Mm -hmm. Then the tribal and the civ stage are essentially just you making decisions and building up to play in the space stage and get ready to do all the fun stuff there.
1: (laughs) Honestly, the the middle stages, I almost feel like they could have been cut, but they were kept in because the whole concept is evolving your creature. So it's like, ah, we can't not do this. Like they're obligated to have those.
0: Yeah, I I'm I can see why they had them in there. They definitely build up to the space section, but based on what you're saying and them not being enjoyable, I feel like anything can be made enjoyable if you spend enough time and effort on it. And
1: Yeah, they were definitely like the left behind stages.
0: Was this game in development hell at all? Did it get delayed a bunch?
1: I don't I don't a little know. Bit. I don't yeah, know it was know. supposed to come out Probably two thousand six or seven there's a ton of devlogs and uh release like there's a lot of um content that was shown before the game came out that never showed up in the final game and that's something we'll get to at the very end of this episode uh, I was about to ask infamous. you if there's cut content <laughs> yeah it is infamous with its cut content like it's pretty bad uh it it would have been the incredible you know genre defining or industry changing game if it did have all the content that was cut. Uh but they just couldn't do that. EA, you know, at some point was like, you need to just get this out.
0: And then they're like, uh we don't even have all the stuff we said we were gonna have and EA's like publish now. Oh shit. <laughs> um
1: there is kind of a loose story in the space stage in that you have certain missions that become available uh, in in a specific order. So like when you first start out, you need to fly around your planet, and then you need to explore planets in your solar system, and then while you do that, you meet uh, like alien. What do you do? You meet like an alien defense system, an ancient one, and then they need you to investigate that, and then you find out that there's aliens all over the galaxy, and that you're just one of many, um, and then it kind of really opens up for you from there. But the ultimate goal is you want to reach the center of the galaxy. That's what you really want to do this whole time.
0: That sounds trippy and transcendental. Oh, yeah. Are are we getting onto something here? (laughs) So,
1: getting to the center of the galaxy requires a fully upgraded ship, and on your way to doing that, there is something in between you and the center, which is this hyper-aggressive civilization that occupies the entire center around the black hole of the galaxy, known as the Grox Empire.
0: Okay, they sound very threatening. Oh, yeah. in the sen- are, are, Were <laughs> they put there as, like, a last line of defense? Is that, like, the quote-unquote final boss civilization or whatever?
1: They they Would want, you say that? They're kind of like a final boss of the game. Uh, they you want- did say
0: hyper-aggressive, which leads me to believe you can't make, like, a peace treaty and just move past them. You
1: can. <laughs> But it's it's super specific on how you do it. Uh, the Groks are they're so aggressive that they they like when you destroy other planets. So basically, you have to become the galactic Mariahs, destroyer just like of worlds.
0: The Groks. <laughs> hmm? That you have to become the destroyer of worlds or something. Yeah.
1: So like <laughs> the Groks are like North Korea, and if you want to be friends with the Groks, you got to be like Russia. <laughs>
0: Just just fucking shit up for no reason.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So,
0: I I have one question real quick. Is there a gameplay path that you could make where, let's say, you're only eating animals, you kill everything that comes near you, you're very militaristic all the way through, and then you go out and take out every single planet you come into? Yes. you You you, You go to war with everything?
1: You can do that. Once you're in space... That's crazy. That can be a little tough, because... Depending on how you are with uh, the empires around you, if you're oh, far away from a system and they have like people who hate you nearby, they'll attack your star when you're not there. And you'll get a little alert like, hey, you need to defend this. So if you're super mean to everybody, then your whole gameplay just becomes you having to defend your empire the whole time, which isn't as fun.
0: But you can do it.
1: You can do it, though, if you want. And I'm sure there's someone out there who's taken the time to literally destroy the entire galaxy. That that could be can, fun.
0: Can somebody just give me, like, 100 hours of their time so that I can play this game all the way?
1: Oh,
0: that'd, <laughs> like, be I, that'd be That'd be awesome. Just, like, a microchasm for 100 hours where I can play this game. That'd be so cool.
1: <laughs> there, There's another uh, couple really fun gameplay loops in the space station. I'd love to hear some yeah. of your favorites. So... The, the first one we've talked about is, is, like, aggression and attacking. You can declare war on empires and destroy- Like, you can wipe <laughs> out entire galactic empires, which is oh. always satisfying. I had times where, like, I'll be friendly with an empire, but then one dude oh. on one planet will piss me off, and I'll be like, alright, <laughs> you, your whole your empire, species is done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Genocide is enjoyable here. Probably it's warranted because one guy bullied me. <laughs>
1: It's entirely justified. <laughs> um, another gameplay loop is discovering stuff. So you can, you can dedicate your entire space stage to just finding crazy star systems and rare items, which is scattered all throughout the galaxy, and it's super fun. Uh, it has a whole... It's like a collectathon, and it has a whole encyclopedia of stuff for you to find. And so you could dedicate all your time to finding, like, hidden scrolls, ancient fossils and unique planets like there's cube planets for you to find you can find binary and even tertiary star systems uh, just all kinds of wacky unique stuff
0: dude this sounds so cool I, I i'm asking you the extremes now but if you're like the super hippie peace loving pacifist people yeah can you make peace with the entire galaxy or are there like certain tribes that hate certain other Certain empires, they hate certain other empires, and it's like, you can pick one or the other, but not both.
1: Uh, yeah, you can never make peace with the entire galaxy, because the more peace you make, the more the Groks will hate you. So it, That makes a lot of sense. I- I've had this situation <laughs> where you you play the space stage, you, you decide you're going to be friendly, you make friends with everyone you meet along the way, but then you finally get to the center of the galaxy, and the Groks is there, like, automatically attacking you before you even get near them.
0: And if you were to do that, can you still beat the Grox, or is it just like you have no chance?
1: Oh, you, you could beat them. Uh, it, it takes a long okay. time, but if you wanted to dedicate your time to it, you could take out all of the Grox. It would just take a long time. Um, this sounds so, so cool. So anyways, here's where... <laughs> I pulled you off. Yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> here's where I'll, I'll say spoilers. I'll describe to you what happens in the center of the galaxy. Would you like to hear...
0: I would love to hear it. I'm not going to experience it, unfortunately, despite how yeah. much I really, really, really want to. <laughs> so
1: no matter what your gameplay is like, it's always going to be a struggle to get through the groks. It, it is. You have to go pretty deep into their territory, and they're attacking you the whole time. And so you also have to strategize how you get to it, because the closer you get to the center, the shorter your jump range becomes. So you can only jump to certain stars. So you might end up at a dead end where you have to go back and, you know, find the right path anyways you finally reach the center and you meet god and god's name is steve
0: of course it is this is 2008 what else would it be
1: yeah exactly um you you get this whole really cool cutscene. uh beautiful it's like you're going through a black hole you get uh enlightened or whatever and then you get a gift (laughs) from god and I, it might change depending on what your archetype is, but typically you get this staff of, staff of life where if you go to any barren planet and you use it, it'll automatically, um, like, fully ecologically change the planet to have all the animals and types of plants that it can have.
0: That's so cool.
1: <laughs> What's really cool... Oh my cool, gosh. You can send down monoliths to uh, planets that only have creatures to make them upgrade to tribal and then you can like assist the tribal creatures on the planet until they evolve into spacefaring empires and if you do that they automatically become your best friend because you're That's like so their cool. god
0: Dude let's rewind to 2005 or whenever this game was first shown tell will like don't show them what you're going to show them just show them this podcast episode
1: <laughs> <laughs> There we go yeah
0: it sounds so cool like yeah we're gonna tell you everything that happens but it's so much fun experiencing it like personally i think this is a game that being spoiled on it only makes me personally want to play it so much more
1: i I think it's pretty underrated and i i think it's a damn shame that it's not it's never been revisited this is a game that i think will continue to be more and more forgotten at some point it's going to be rediscovered again and it's going to happen. nostalgia is going to bite it, it might somebody, take another decade, but it, it'll happen.
0: Like, I mean, that's another thing with like Wind Waker, for instance, you know, favorite game of all time. We talk about it all the time, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. That was another game that was very harshly received, so much so that Twilight Princess's graphical style is almost the complete opposite. Yeah. But now people who weren't around for the Wind Waker reveal and the whole fiasco surrounding the negativity around the cell shading when it was first announced and shown. They love the game because it's just a good game. Like, so what if it was built up at the Space World demo to be this major upgrade from the N64, to be this super graphically impressive Zelda game? It looks great now, and it's still a lot of fun to play, so it's a great game, and people don't associate it with all that stuff. But I think Spore could have that, given the right circumstances. Like, in eight years... My kid's gonna be on my computer, being like, "What's spore?" <laughs> be like, yeah,
1: play it. And then a month <laughs> I'm gonna later, live they're vicariously. like, "I've not left my room." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, it's gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna live vicariously." That's that's how oh, this yeah. all works, right? Everybody who has kids and live vicariously, they do well, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <sighs> so I've got, um, I guess, four more big points to talk about in this episode, and then and then we're done. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about its online aspects and then the DLC which is we could have a whole episode on just some of the DLC I'm excited to tell you about that and then I'll go over some of the cut content because Spore is really infamous for that there is a lot of content that was promised and never delivered and then lastly I I would love to talk about um, just like the impact of the game overall
0: okay yeah let's go
1: let's go so online aspects This game, I think, was incredibly ahead of its time because of its Sporpedia that we talked about, where anyone can upload their creations, and then anyone can go access those creations and use them in their own gameplay. This is... I I think this is pretty unique for 2008. I think this was something new at the time.
0: As far as I know, but I don't know a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know a lot, so... As far as I know this is the first one. The only other games like that I can think of are stuff like Minecraft, which I know for a fact came out after two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. Not long after, but after. And there's a couple of other that have come since then that do the same thing. Like I'm thinking a lot of sports games do similar things where you can create logos and stuff and upload them online to servers and whatnot and yeah. upload characters and whatnot. But it's it's very much different and also not as fleshed out and 10 years later. So <laughs>
1: Yeah. Spore did what I think a lot of games struggle to do nowadays, which was it it made its own community and it did it well. And it was a tight knit community that that served to create more better stuff for the game for more people people to play. And I think that's a it was something that happened partially naturally that just the way they designed it uh, inclined people to to want to act in as a sort of community for the game. But I also think it was intentional, too, that part of the business pitch to EA, I'm sure, was that, you know, if we build a strong community and then people make content for the game, then that's less work for us. <laughs> and I love and EA's it. I, like, I think I love that's it. totally valid, honestly. <laughs>
0: EA probably loves it too. Less things we got to pay you for, give it to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think
1: it's some, something like that is a win-win. Minecraft does it too. I, I, I'm, I think Little Big Planet, uh is a good example of the same sort of concept. I wish more games were like this where, where a lot of the content is player generated because for the players, it's fun to make that content. For us, it's fun to play that content. And when you have such a massive volume of game content being made, there's going to be good stuff that rises to the top.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's anything with any kind of community. The larger it grows, the more good stuff you're going to get out of it. Yeah. In this game, for instance, they take that community and give them not free reigns to do whatever they want in the game, but they they let the community alter the game and it made some really amazing stuff based on the little bit I've seen. I'm sure it's just like 0.01%, but yeah, and it's remarkable. God,
1: they did such a good job. The Spore team, for years, was hands-on, like, weekly showcases of what people have made. Um, different creators got to be really famous within the community, so everyone knew, you know, some of the top creators. And anytime they made new stuff, it was a big deal. Um,
0: That's so cool. It's just so
1: <laughs> cool. And then Spore, the Spore team would, like, keep an eye out for which creature, which default creatures people liked more, and they would kind of push those creatures and, like, Give them more personality, and it become different characters become different mascots for people. Um, especially once we get into the DLC, uh, and I think we, that's probably what we, sh- we should talk about next, right? The DLC. Go for
0: it. <laughs> uh, so I have no knowledge of this whatsoever. So this is all going to be new.
1: Besides player generated content, uh, Maxis itself also released some some packs. One of them. Uh, a couple of them were parts packs the the biggest one being the creepy and cute pack which i got for sure
0: i saw Um, you had it i didn't use it but (laughs)
1: um the creepy and cute pack added I i couldn't tell you how many but a ton of new animal parts that just made the game so much better because they added more complexity just different looks and then if you once you got that part pack, then you could see all the other creatures on the Sporpedia made with those parts. So if you don't have the DLC, you're locked out of all of the content that uses it, right? Yeah. So they did the Creeping Cutes part pack, and then they did a um, Dr. Pepper collaboration, weirdly enough. And this what? one is <laughs> controversial. I got it back in the day. Not everyone did, though. You had to buy a certain amount of Dr. Pepper to get <laughs> It's rights. right up your alley. <laughs> Yeah, and then once you had enough points on, like, the Dr. Pepper website, you could download the Spore-Dr. Pepper collab, and it was mechanical parts for your creature, which is just cool as hell. That's, that actually
0: is pretty cool. So you have like I've got to ask, though, I've got to ask, based on your remembrance of it, are you buying six packs, twelve packs, two liters, what are we getting in mm-hmm. Dr. Pepper? Oh,
1: dude, back then, little me was just getting, like, the little vending machine bottles. And it was, like,
0: a coat on the cap or something?
1: Coat on the cap. Oh yeah, on the inside of the cap.
0: (laughs) Dude, that's so cool. Cody got $2 a day for lunch money. He never ate lunch. He just got (laughs) $1.25 for Dr. Pepper's.
1: (laughs) Which was awesome for me, because I already... I love Dr. Pepper. I'm a Dr. Pepper bitch. And I already loved Dr. Pepper back then. So when the collaboration (laughs) happened, I was like, easy... I'm getting this.
0: Reason for me to drink more Dr. Pepper and play more Spore? Say no more. Well, to me, it wasn't
1: even more Dr. Pepper. I was just like, I'm going to get free Spore stuff by drinking my favorite soda? What?
0: Oh, God. I envy you. I don't like Dr. Pepper, but that's got to be an amazing feeling. Uh, That'd be like Bud Light partnering with Breath of the Wild (laughs) for free. I don't even know. (laughs)
1: Something or other. (laughs) I'm telling you, little kid me, it's like the planets aligned when it came to Spore. I just... i had i had to like it (laughs) okay okay so now we get to the final dlc which is a big fucking deal it is the big deal we're getting serious for a second let me look up the actual name of it real quick
0: adventure
1: and i guess back then they were called expansion packs this was like right before because it wasn't downloaded it was you buy the cd at the store I, I don't know if oh, DLC that's became right. the term, but it was after this. Oh, okay.
0: It's probably after Sky or Elder Scrolls Four or whatever. Mm,
1: good point. <laughs> so the final DLC is Galactic Adventures.
0: That sounds cool.
1: Dude, and it is... I'll I'll pull up... Here, let me share my screen real quick. So if you share you can, it, it's uh, going
0: to mess up the stream.
1: Don't share oh, it. Oh, it's not good. It's going <laughs> to mess with it?
0: yeah it messes right. with my my side on recording <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyways the the box design just makes it look fun in galactic adventures i don't even know how to describe it shortly you make your own games like it gives you you get a blank planet you get the editor and you edit the entire planet to have city like you can go down to the level of changing what plants are where what buildings are where. You can make your own cities, and then your own creatures that you put in it, and then it has tools to have, like, um, scripts and flags and events and different sounds, stuff. You make your own game. So you land, and you can have a creature, like, walk up to you and say, hey, our our planet's gonna blow up. We need you to help save us. And then you have this whole adventure where you have to, like, I yeah. don't know, build a, a a planet saving machine or something. And that's
0: crazy so it's this so is good. spore so mario maker and minecraft moved to spore and had a baby
1: yeah and it's <laughs> god even now uh, minecraft doesn't have the kind of sophistication that the 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 adventure creators had in terms of making a gameplay experience
0: that's so cool. And so you could do make... you get the mm-hmm. do you get the program like what's going to be happening, and you're getting not program obviously, yeah. but Decide what's going to be happening in your game to the point where you're like, I want other players who would maybe potentially play this to do this, 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 and this.
1: Yeah. So you could That's set it so up to cool. where, um, like, there's one game where you're like an Indiana Jones type guy, and you have to go find this sacred idol and then bring it back to your ship and leave. It was scripted in such a way where the, the different NPCs you're with can walk to certain places at different times, depending on what you've done. And then once you get the idol, you can have it set to where, as soon as you get the idol, s- stuff starts blowing up, right? And you have to like run out of whatever temple you're in to get to your ship, and you can make it so that it's all blown but up what and if falling you're... apart behind you.
0: But what if your spore monsters are too slow? Not monsters. That, that's a, so.
1: That's actually a big problem with the with this DLC is that you're so free to make stuff that a game can break pretty easily because you, if you don't you have don't the know, right, attributes. you don't have like game developer skills. You don't know how to make sure. You don't end up in p- impossible situations, or you can have. But you creature. also don't
0: want it to be mind-numbingly easy for people who have plus eight speed, for instance. Yeah, where they can just walk out. But if somebody has plus one, they're just not going to be able to finish it. It's like, well, rebuild your character, creature. try it again. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and you can have games where like you have to have a certain level of uh, of different stats in order to play. It. And the description will tell you um in this that makes a lot of sense this whole dlc you could play it as its own thing like you could just go to there there is a whole sporpedia section of adventures in the same way that they have the creatures except every you know little card is a different game for you to go and play there's a mode where you have your captain and you select him and then you just go play random missions and it'll upgrade your captain you get better stuff as you play more games uh, but it it is also integrated into the space stage. So there can be random planets in the galaxy that are actually those adventures. And so when you go down to land on it, it just um, snaps you into that adventure game. You have to play that That's game so cool. to get XP or whatever um, as your space captain in the space stage.
0: That's so cool. I also just realized that in the space stage, people's civilizations or... Are the civilizations at that point? Their they're empires, whatever you want to call them, are uh, player-created as well. Yeah. Or are they? Yeah. So, like, if I'm playing the game and I sign in and you're playing the game and you sign in, I could potentially attack your civilization. Obviously, you wouldn't feel the repercussions of that, but I could stumble onto your creation. That's... Uh, God, yeah, this you is could, so, so cool. Yeah,
1: you, you couldn't attack my empire in my game, but you could download my creature, and they could become an empire in your game, and then you could go kill them all and then tell me, hey, I, I murdered your people. dude."
0: I never thought I would be jealous of an 8-year-old again once I turned 23, <laughs> but I'm jealous of 8-year-old you.
1: <laughs> it is, it's such a good time. Um, <laughs> so let's talk real quick, because I, I can't even believe it. We're already running out of time. I... I wasn't lying when I said I had a lot to say about this game. <laughs> Cut content. I'm,
0: I'm enjoying this. <laughs> yes, yeah, so why do people hate the game?
1: Uh some of that the
0: that I am like baffled by right now
1: <laughs> because there were some promises made as to what you could do in the game that didn't happen. The biggest one being the underwater stage. So originally there was supposed to be a whole stage in between cell and creature, which is why it feels so awkward <laughs> that you literally it really just does. snap okay. legs under your cell in <laughs> in and... Tell him to go run away. <laughs> um, I
0: didn't have a problem with it, but I noticed it was weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you can look it up. There's cool videos of it, and it looked like it would have been one of the best stages. You're literally a little fish dude swimming around, and it's it, it's like a hybrid of the cell and creature stage. In terms it sounds of cool.
0: sounds natural.
1: Yeah, and, and then there's also a plant creator that you can access in the game through some hacks. It was... It was internally the way they made the plants in the game. They actually just adapted the creature creator to, to for plants, and the developers made all the plants in the game using that system. And then instead of giving us that system, they just kept it in there but didn't give us access.
0: I did notice this on my playthrough for, you know, an hour and a half or whatever I was playing. The plants did look very much... Uh not necessarily great i not thought it was planty, just 2008 yeah. pc graphics but i'm like this looks like something that i could have drawn well, and so <laughs> looked very polygonal
1: there are some planets you can go onto where it'll have super planty looking plants uh it might have just been <laughs> that you landed on a planet that had Particularly crappy looking plant.
0: Boxy. What
1: what were the colors on your planet? Like, do you remember what color a the sea? Brown
0: and orange, and the sea was green.
1: Oh, like a, like a muddy swamp green. Oh, you found the worst colors. I I remember once I was on like this bright pink planet. It was beautiful.
0: That yeah, sounds so much cooler than what I got.
1: <laughs> uh, besides the plant creator and the the sea stage, there is also. The cell stage was going to be a lot more sophisticated, and there's people who are actually developing a better spore right now that are making a realistic cell stage based on actual, like, chemistry and physics. Like, you construct—you use atoms to construct your cell and all the systems in it and all the parts of the cell.
0: (sighs) Are they using like the Spore engine or are they making their own engine? They might be making, or are their they own using engine. like Unreal or Unity or something? If they're using Unreal or Unity, I really don't care. I just really don't. <laughs> not that I think those engines are bad, I just think that like
1: nah, they're, they're limited. The yeah, nah, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to remember it or pull it up right now, but yeah, there's people have been inspired by Spore and are making their own little offshoots.
0: That's so cool.
1: I'm trying to remember if there's any other cut content, but I, those are the major ones. Just different creators, different stages that never saw the light of day. There was supposed to be more for the tribal and civilization stage, and I think you can, just by playing through it, you can kind of feel how, how those areas um, had to be left alone more in comparison to the rest.
0: That's. It sounds like basically all that got cut out of it was more things that would make Spore more Spore. Yeah. But at the same time, Spore is still a lot of fun, and I think it's a great game, and I don't think it needs them, but I could see how it could benefit from having them.
1: Yeah. And And I could
0: see that if that was the expectation, being underwhelmed if it was under-delivered, but at the same time, I wasn't whelmed at all, so I wasn't (laughs) underwhelmed. I enjoyed it.
1: Just whelmed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was whelmed.
1: Um... There isn't too much more to say. I know we're almost at an hour now. Uh, in terms of impact, uh, the game, I think, did have a little bit of importance for a lot of kids in how it taught evolution to a lot of people. Um, I was, remember... it in in hmm? was it banned
0: in schools in Tennessee? Was it banned in schools in Tennessee?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, burned or banned somewhere. Uh, Probably. I remember growing up at the local science museum in Portland. They had an entire room with computers just set up to play Spore. And it that's was so part of cool. like an evolution exhibit so kids could come in and just play the game little me was like ah, chumps i got that at home
0: <laughs> you should see what i've done with this game you mm. guys suck <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh and
1: as that's, far as that yeah. yes yeah
0: any other impacts or is it really just this is a great model of like a rough outline of how evolution edu- ed- works
1: It's good for that. I think it it did impact the gaming industry in terms of showing the potential of procedural generation. After this game came out is when a lot of companies started to say, hey, we can save a lot of time and money by starting our games with a procedurally generated world or or something that we build upon. And that's a pretty common tactic in game development now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Other than that, just Spore 2. I want Spore 2. I need it. I need it now, and uh when is it coming out? That's all I got
0: me a spore needing a lot now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I think that that one's going to wrap up this week's episode yeah. of the Analog Sticks Podcast. Episode number 23. Cody pilots it. It's it's a good time. Is this 23? It might be 24. I don't even know. Anyways, thank you all very much for listening. If you haven't already, hit one of the buttons to make our numbers look better. It'd be really cool. Also, if you, wanna, you want more Analog Sticks, check out the Twitter and the YouTube and stuff. I got some banger videos coming out. Um... What else? Uh, We have a Patreon. Nobody's currently on it, so we don't do anything for it. But if you subscribe, we might change that. If you
1: subscribe, we will... um...
0: Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. If you subscribe, (laughs) we will come up with a better reward.
0: I, I'm thinking we could put them at the end of podcasts or announce them or something. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk offline. <laughs>
1: Anyways, thank you
0: guys all very much for listening. For myself, Rusty Nails, and my good friend, and this week's main host, Cody. <laughs> thank you all very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Amazing.